Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to a very special episode of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. So if you've been paying attention to the feeds this week, you'll have seen that obviously we had to postpone this week's main episode with Paddy Murphy on Ghoulies 2. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I, I have to say, entirely by fault, I have picked up a rather nasty inflammatory injury to my knee that has led to a little bit of an infection. So I'm kind of combating that, and as we speak, I am full of uh, antibiotics and anti-inflammatories. Yes. So, we were scheduled to record with Paddy just yesterday, and we decided what we're going to do is instead, we're going to do this. Yeah, we were originally going to be recording with Paddy on Tuesday, and I think that Tuesday was the day where the situation that you were in was kind of at its worst, and we resolved that it was just sensible to move it. But we do have a little bit of time and um, a little bit of kind of drive to get something out there, just to keep people ticking over. And we thought that this would be a perfect time to try a new kind of mini-episode series. Yeah. Now, it's important to mention that this is the first segment in a mini-series that we're trying out called The Irredeemables. Given that this is the first segment, we will say that this isn't going to be a regular segment for anyone who's not on Patreon. Yeah, we're going to try this out here and just kind of like see what you guys think of it. We'll be very open to feedback about this if it's something that you'd like to hear more of. Ultimately, this is something that will migrate to Patreon. But yeah, we thought that this would be a perfect time to try it out with this. So basically, the idea behind the Irredeemables is that no one has chosen this film because they love it. We have picked a film because it is widely regarded as being terrible and there is no defending voice for it that we can find. What we're going to do is we're going to look at something that has been incredibly critically reviled. We won't be as molecular in our analysis of it as we are on the main episodes but we'll just kind of broadly look at it and ultimately just kind of maybe try and dredge up at least something positive in there yeah um <laughs> we made a rod for our own backs with the first film choice here i think that's fair to say um yeah because uh, and andy it was your idea uh, and we did say that at some point we would talk about it but we have gone with stacy titles the bye bye man we have indeed yeah i know that it's something that we had kept on the wheel of names for a while when it came to doing a watch along, but you know, having revisited this now, I'm so glad we don't actually have to watch it with people. Yeah, we did say that the minute we decided to talk about it, it would get taken off Netflix, and that does seem to have happened because we went back <laughs> yeah. to try and watch it this week, and we ended up having to both rent it on uh, Amazon Prime. But yeah, The Bye Bye Man released in January of 2017, and always dubious of horror films that are released theatrically in January. Yeah, for the most part, it's a risky, risky venture. Now, am I right in saying that the reason for this is that it has generally originally been slated for an October release? They have looked at what else is coming out around Halloween, concluded that it won't compete with it, and have just moved it a convenient amount of That's time. That's possible. The this is like this is a theory that I've come across a couple of times when I've tried to pick apart the phenomenon of the shite January theatrical horror release. It is possibly the situation. 
Um, and I know it certainly is with some films, whether that was indeed the case with The Bye Bye Man, I can't really speak to that. But what I will say is it seems like a film that's had a bit of a troubled production because it was two years from filming to cinema. Yes, I saw that. It was shot in 2015, came out in 2017. So yeah, there's uh, so maybe the timescales kind of line up there. But yeah, like I say, I couldn't speak to that with any amount of authority. But yeah, this is directed by Stacey Title, written by her partner, Jonathan Penner. And life as well as business. Yes, yes, uh, her husband. He is a three-time loser of American Survivor and was once run over on an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> Do we know what episode of Seinfeld? Because I love Seinfeld. Um, I can find that for you for certain. I can confirm that it was the 1998 Seinfeld episode The Bookstore with a character called Zach. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, wow. Okay. Um, and this is adapted from uh, a short story, The Bridge to Body Island. Somewhere the writer of this is furious i mean we can get to it as this goes on but it does seem like the story the original story did offer this kind of more nuanced backstory to the bye bye man and kind of gave him a little bit more of an expanded mythology that seems to be treated with a disinterest that borders on contempt here (laughs) um but we'll get to that so how are we going to do this how are we going to talk about how are we going to set the scene about what the bye bye man is all about for the benefit of anyone who is crazy enough to be listening to this without having watched this i think it works in a main episode i think it would work fine now let's do a 30 second synopsis okay uh do you want to be master of time or do you want to do the readings i will be the synop- I'll, I'll be the synopsisizer okay very well in that case one second like you've caught me on the hop here so um, i'm just I'm comfortable to, with this. i'm just gonna have to uh put some time on the clock Okay, so Andy, so Andy, before we go any further, um, we do make everyone who comes on the show do one thing. You are no exception. Yeah, uh, so far, everyone who's been on the Irredeemables uh, has done this. Yeah, the 100% record continues apace. But for the benefit of anyone who has not seen The Bye Bye Man, I'm going to count you in and you're going to give us your best 30-second synopsis of this film. How are you feeling? I feel okay about it. Okay, three, two, one, go. Three friends who may or may not be shagging move into a college room uh college house on a on a campus and uh, they slowly start to learn the mythology about this shadowy figure called hilariously called the bye bye man which is the least frightening name in the world who uh, if you think him or say him well he'll be kind of summoned back into life kind of like freddy krueger um so uh yeah i'll also get to that also a bit like the candy man uh, it's woefully woeful uh, it's terrible time yeah i think you've hit on most of the key points there um so you are right in that we have our three kind of main protagonists elliot john and sasha played here respectively <laughs> by uh, douglas smith lucian levikin and cressida bonas who do move into this house and things start taking a very sour turn very quickly but yeah in the opening scene we've got lee winnell here who obviously better known as a director um mm. of films in the insidious franchise and obviously upgrade and the Invisible Man. And the Invisible Man, yeah, of course. And uh, the co-creator of Saw. Absolutely, and um, a better filmmaker than he is an actor, in my opinion. And I think that I, I, th- I think that this film kind of cements that. He's done better work as an actor. Uh, like if you look if you look at the like the Insidious films as an example, he's better in those than he is in this because he's terrible in this. Yeah. I don't know at which point Lee Winnell decided I can't be bothered with this. But it seems quite apparent. And actually, he's probably given the most interesting stuff to do. I would agree. I think that the opening here, which is effectively just a mass murder and kind of this abstract introduction to the notion of the bye-bye man and how the mythology functions. But like, I think that the idea of this, the way that the mass murder unfolds, should be really gripping. And what's really maddening to me is that they've made the decision to do this as a unbroken shot. 
like a tracking yeah. shot that follows him obviously in and out of a couple of houses as he kills a couple of people but then they break that up with these shots of this oncoming train yeah and also it lacks dynamism in a way that is maddening the whole film does uh yes i think from a technical perspective this isn't so much incompetent as it is just very very bland yeah it just it's one note the whole way through and woefully goreless for a film that i think had an r rating yeah um apparently it was rated r by the mpaa for bloody horror violence language and some sexuality i would say that this is like absolutely kind of pushing the south side of that i'm actually amazed that this isn't a hard pg-13 but there's one moment towards the end where it actually i'd forgotten about it and when it happened i was like oh yeah that's quite cool Mm -hmm. but yeah that's really it this is obviously set years before the main events of the film and we do meet our three protagonists around this time and like i have a real problem with basically everyone in this to be honest like there's very little in the way of kind of a performance that i can sit back and not even just enjoy like that that isn't noticeably poor yeah i mean you've got douglas smith here who is uh kind of elliot who's i I think it's fair to say kind of like the the real protagonist of this thing and i'm best acquainted with him for uh his work on scream the tv show which i also hate yeah yeah i don't like it either i would say he's the least bad if that can possibly be levied on someone as a compliment yeah i'd be inclined to agree with you there also he he hasn't always picked kind of howlers because he was buddy swanson in stage fright a previous andy versus mitch selection which i thought was garbage excuse me you uh you took to that a little bit more than my normal picks i'll have you know but yeah uh i i think that he probably is doing the best work in a weak field here there's bad actors across the pace right and actually carrie ann moss from the matrix um pops up in this and she is phoning it in as well yeah i think that it's i think with carrie ann moss specifically i think that it's difficult to tell where bad writing ends and a bad performance begins because i think that like she is phoning it in a little bit there's a big autopilot vibe to what she's doing here but also mm-hmm. she's having to kind of fight her way through this horrendously expository dialogue yeah it's important to mention that the script is terrible uh yeah astonishingly so um on a few different levels i think like it gets completely bogged down in over explanation but never troubles itself to actually make sense of its central mythology either like it's Mm -hmm. it pains to give you as much information as possible but it never actually tries to harness this to any kind of cohesion and it's incredibly frustrating the actual notion and mythology behind the bye-bye man as a villain is nonsense and the film's complete disinterest in unpacking that is so infuriating (laughs) also i've got to say your main antagonist being called the bye-bye man it's the least threatening bad guy name ever and i would say that previously perhaps the least threatening bad guy name ever might have been candy man potentially um but the bye bye man uh, eclipses that uh, a yes. million times over. Yes. Like it's it's the le- it's the most humdrum name for a villain ever. And I've got to say as well, all the love in the world to Doug Jones, who plays the bye bye man for the very limited time that we see him. I feel bad for Doug Jones in this. He's so much better as a creature work, as like a monster guy than he's given here he looks laughable yeah patently unscary but i think like the problem with this film is it has no interest in really gathering any kind of momentum the jump scares are all kind of like these incredibly drawn out experiences but jump scares work best when there's something tying them together there's like an atmosphere of mountain dread it's got no interest in doing that but also they don't work in isolation the jump scares in this film are a technical failure <laughs> I would say that's largely true across the entire runtime of the Bye Bye Man. That almost from frame one, it's a technical failure in my eyes. 
it's that perfect combination of bad dialogue, bad acting, and flat directing. Flat's a good word. There are so few things that feel like interesting visual choices going on here. Yeah, it also feels to me like a film made by people who have a fleeting interest in horror films um, and roughly know the cliches required to put a horror film together and lean almost entirely on the same cliches over and over. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with that. The whole thing has a kind of cynical feel to it that I just can't get on board with. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think that I'm reasonably willing to suspend disbelief to, I think, a probably above average degree. But one of my main gripes with this film is that there is a patent logic flaw right at the beginning that completely, ne- like, it's, it's, it's a decision that nobody would ever make. And as a result, everything that follows after it is by definition nonsense okay and i my problem with this is that obviously elliot john and sasha they move into this house they have this party which we'll get to why is there a five-year-old at the college party i don't know but (laughs) eventually he inspects this bedside table that's in the house and on the Mm -hmm. underside of it don't think it don't say it is uh scroll that's basically the film's central refrain yeah don't think it don't say it because basically like as you mentioned in your synopsis the whole idea of the bye-bye man is that the more that you think about him and say his name etc the more power he has and kind of yeah. like which is it which is stolen from freddy krueger because the more he kind of infects people the more that people talk about him the more that people are made aware of him oh i think that that's kind of an inescapable comparison but yeah so don't think it, don't say it, is scrawled in this antique furniture. But also inscribed in there is the name the Bye Bye Man. Yes. So presumably by this, like the person who scratched the same thing, because it's the same typeface. It's the same person sure. who did all of this inscribing, who is saying, uh, don't think it, don't say it, and is obviously trying desperately to stop the spread of this, also wrote the name on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's bonkers. And also, to be honest, the fact that they then start to kind of pass this mantra on to people. It's that Ghostbusters thing, you know, when Ray at the end of Ghostbusters is asked, or when everyone's asked, basically, choose the form of the Destructor, um, and all you have to do is really think of the form, and as a result, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is summoned. Mm-hmm. When you ask someone explicitly not to think of something, the first thing they do is immediately think of it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, Andy, don't think about chickens. What are you thinking about? Oh. Chickens. Yep, of course you are. This gets escalatingly silly from here. I think also that now you know, because that's what that like that's as much as we know that you're not supposed to say his name. And I think that when people do after that, I think that it's supposed to feel like kind of big, imposing, dramatic moments. But it kind of feels like these full comedic uh oh moments instead, yeah. which is a problem mm-hmm. for me as well. Also, I want to talk about like just in general the seance and the character of Kim. Yeah. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. I I I I, ju- I just hate almost every word that everyone says in this. Agreed. And I think the addition of a seance in this is just to add something else a wee bit creepy because actually it doesn't matter a fuck. It's just to show that Kim's a bit witchy. Yeah, exactly. I think that like um they were obviously she's kind of introduced as being this kind of like goth friend. Yeah. And, and they're just a bit like, oh, what can we do to make her a bit gothy? Presumably because like we don't see her in her house. So we can't tell that she has a fear factory poster on her wall. <laughs> um, so what they have typo negative yeah so what they have her do instead is um is, is is have a seance for no reason but ultimately yeah this is the first time that i think that somebody says the bye bye man's name out loud and uh, all the power cuts out because uh the bye bye man is he, t- he takes a fair bit of summoning but he's also got a reasonable commitment to showmanship yeah he also has the worst looking cgi dog i've ever seen 
Oh my god, yes, absolutely atrocious. Also, I just want to touch on this really quickly because this, I was doing a little bit of digging, digging around about this and about the source material and things like that. So, two things that I think are there but not really addressed are, one, the Bye Bye Man's dog. Yeah. Uh, I wish I knew what that dog's name was. That's fine. I guess the Woof Woof dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also this constant cutting back and forth that the film does to this completely unexplained train yes yeah um which again is just kind of its own brand of annoying to me uh because it's just introduces a visual motif and just not expanded on at all it feels like the kind of thing that you would add in if your film comes in at 78 minutes uh, and sadly this film actually crosses the hour and a half barrier yeah it does it does 96 minutes did not appreciate it. felt every second of those extra six minutes that broke the golden rule as far as i'm concerned yeah but um yeah this is based on a short story called the bridge to body island and in that story according to imdb the bye bye man was an albino born in new orleans in 1912 who ran away as a child and became a derelict who lived in a train yard went blind because reasons and then started murdering people and cutting out their eyes and tongues which he sewed together and brought to life using voodoo and that's his dog so like the the dog in the original story wow. is supposed to be this grotesque human tongues and eyes hybrid wow yeah that, yeah that, you don't get that at all in the film no and but i think what you do have is like he has a dog for no reason and the dog looks stupid and you have <laughs> these um and you have these train motifs which are i guess fine but to no end whatsoever if that stuff's not explained then lose them yeah what like why are they there it's like it, it kind of it, it feels like this really tentative way to try and pay lip service to something without really necessarily yeah. having to explore it and that's annoying that's exactly what i was going to say it's like uh, do you know this is based on a book because the book has all this train imagery in it uh and that's really that's really it now we'll just continue to do our own thing yeah like for like for this reason here's a train and that's annoying to me i feel like you either explore that and you examine it in a useful way or you don't do it at all there's so many things that we could sit here all night talking about the things that are maddening about the bye bye man but um i want to talk about something that is probably the most maddening thing to me in the whole film and that is cressida bonas's performance Yes, um, I would say in a veritable ocean of shite performances here. I would yeah, because they're all everyone's quite bad. Even the known, even the named actors are phoning it in, right? I agree. But I would say that Krista Bonas's performance is top of the table in terrible performances, maybe that I've almost ever seen. She's just identifiably acting in every frame of this, if you know what I mean. There's just like like that that performance does not have an authentic bone in its body. And like I'm already grappling with the fact that this doesn't really have a story and it doesn't really have any interest in expanding its mythology. And it doesn't really want to challenge you in any way at all. And I think that like when you're already fighting with those elements, I think that like it's incredibly maddening to watch shite performances when you kind of feel like the people in front of the camera care as little about this as you do <laughs> it almost feels like you can see people rolling their eyes do you know what i mean like yeah the actors and you can it's almost as if you can feel a collective eye roll from the people behind the cameras it's so so bad like i can't i can't even i know that the, so the, the point of what we're doing here is hopefully towards the end of this we can come together and come up with something redemptive about the bye bye man mm-hmm. uh, i may have something uh but it's not enough for me to recommend it oh god no i i have a couple of things as well that i want to touch on but i think that this also um it irritates me on a very molecular level because it just does a couple of things that i subjectively hate yeah characters talk to themselves a lot mm-hmm. in it which I, which is obviously incredibly maddening i think that the most egregious one of those is when elliot is in the library trying to do his bye-bye man homework oh god yeah is this when he's like you better not fucking hurt her it's a, i was thinking more it's, it's when he checks his phone he's sitting by himself and he checks his phone and goes oh good i still have time <laughs> 
Like no person has ever done that, and it's just like it's it's incredibly it's incredibly annoying to me. That's a continual problem for me. But also, I, th- I think like I just I don't buy a minute of it. I don't buy no. any of the situations that anyone is in. I don't feel like the film's trying to sell me on the mythology of it. But it, it can't sell you on the mythology on it, even if it wanted, even if it had three hours. One, I don't think that anyone's convinced of the mythology, and I don't think that it's been convincingly converted from book to screen. I haven't read the book, I can't speak to that, but that's certainly the, the feeling I have, knowing that it comes from a book. I would imagine, and in a book you can you can cram in all the exposition that you want, and that's that's absolutely fine, but I don't think that the film's interested in that at all. I think someone, this feels like a pitch at a party to me. Yeah. That went too far. Yeah, I hear that. I want to mention what I think is a redeeming feature of this. Um, But I think also this comes with a caveat that um, I kind of feel like it's a redeeming feature by accident. Right, carry on. So our exposition delivery vessel in this is uh, weirdly Faye Dunaway. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Uh, Interesting to see Faye Dunaway in here, I guess aside from Carrie Ann Moss, the biggest name in the cast. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree. And uh, so she plays the the present-day widow of past Lee Winnell. Correct. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. And I think this is interesting because obviously Faye Dunaway is this kind of kind of legendary actress and all this kind of thing. And I think that the film gives her a lot to do in the sense that she literally says a lot of words, but it's just this. It's it's just another chapter in the film's continuing disinterest in unpacking the mythology. So she really like she has to say a lot, but doesn't really have much to say. Yeah. And I feel like her performance is the only one that is pitched at the right level of silliness for everything else that's going on, but that is so hard to frame as a deliberate choice by anyone that it feels like kind of a cheat to talk about it as being my favorite thing about it because i think that she is leaning into the skid of the ridiculousness of it in a way that nobody else Mm -hmm. is doing which makes her performance look like a sore thumb but actually feels closer to what suits it to me i get that i'm not i'm not going to say that i necessarily agree with you because i I feel like it's pure and simple stunt casting from someone who again is completely delivering the lines without conviction or interest Okay, I mean, I guess that's fair enough. But um, but yeah, I would say that the closest that I had to something that I thought didn't redeem it, but I thought that kind of, I was like, this is kind of something I can get on board with, was the part where she was kind of trying to unpack things a little bit. Um, even then, I think okay. that when it, when it doubles back to the flashback and you see the young version of her played by Keelan Woodell is really, really ham-fisted. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's amazing how often this film gets bogged down in over-explanation and doesn't explain anything. <laughs> Yeah, because there's that the whole scene in the library as well with the the, the woman that works at the library. Yeah, Mrs. Watkins. Where there's a, yeah, there's a massive amount of discussion about the bye, the bye bye man there, constantly saying his name, massive amounts of exposition, and it's all for nothing. Ultimately, like it doesn't matter a fuck. And I think that that's ultimately the thing about this that I find the most infuriating. It's like none of what you're watching matters. Correct. And I yeah, think that yeah. the thing that bothers me about it is that it feels like the film doesn't have any interest in making them matter. This to me is purely just an exercise in making something that's borderline horror and it fails on almost every level it is i actually think um an astonishing failure like i i I think that Mm. i'm in a way kind of unmatched by most films i've ever seen i think that it is actually (laughs) a staggering failure on almost every conceivable level well that's probably a good junction for me to mention the one thing that i thought was vaguely redemptive about the film the one moment for me that kind of engages me and there's this interesting build of paranoia around 
Elliot's relationship with Sasha and her relationship with John. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of like a love triangle, but nay. Yeah, it's like yeah. oh, they're definitely fucking. Yeah. The whole film is so tied up in whether or not these two people are fucking that I kind of wish they just had. Yeah, I hear that. Um, but yeah, that was the one moment I thought, okay, this is actually quite interesting. It's it's playing out quite well. But after the fifth or sixth, oh my god, they're cuddling. Does that mean that they're banging? I was like, right, enough. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, no, it's like, they're not banging. Yeah, it's like, also it's like, yeah, you've asked that question enough times. I'm now ready for you to answer it. But that's the story of the Bye Bye Man all over. Yeah, I guess that's true. Actually, yeah, I think that that's 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 a pretty fair assessment. Um, I want to mention really quickly. I didn't realize that these were a thing um, until today. But um, when I was doing some uh, digging in and trying to do some homework on the Bye Bye Man, I did find the IMDb uh, plot keywords. Right, sure. Uh, for this. Which uh, which include bare-chested male uh-huh. hallucination maggot okay. right oh yeah <laughs> uh, male rear nudity claw hammer seance hit with a baseball bat pump action shotgun writing in a circle and bad acting all oh, right okay well th- yeah all those things if any of those things appeal to you then you'll find it in the bye bye man for sure <laughs> indeed also man in a wheelchair pornographic wallpaper and uh, stabbed with scissors. <laughs> I'm gonna for everyone out there searching IMDb for films with man in a wheelchair, I'm I'm definitely going to start digging these up for every film now. This Holy is absolute shit. gold. I love it. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is um, an irredeemable piece of crap. Yeah. And my question was going to be: Do you think that we've found enough redemptive qualities in the Bye Bye Man to call it anything less than irredeemable? No, absolutely not. Um, I would say that. I have tried to land on something that I think is complimentary, and even then, sure. I am very amenable to the suggestion that that is an accident. Okay, I agree. I find nothing irredeemable or even remotely likable, particularly about the Bye Bye Man. It's a film with bad writing, bad acting, bad directing. No one looks like they're comfortable, and yeah, it's 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 a real shame. Um, it's a real shame. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so, I mean, it's out there if you want to check it out. It's unfortunately not on Netflix anymore, but it is rentable on all the usual platforms. Um, Don't do it. We spent money on it. Between the two of us, we spent at least £5 because I think it was two forty nine to rent. Yeah, I rented it in standard definition. So did I. I wasn't paying the extra pound for this. Uh, no, same. Uh, but with that, I guess that kind of uh, concludes our comments on uh, The Bye Bye Man and episode one of the Irredeemables miniseries. So I've already got a rough idea of what I want to do next. Okay, cool, cool. I mean, it's, it's very much, I think, probably going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping at least, that we're going to be kind of leaning into this kind of category, these uh, critically reviled, relatively sure. recent releases that got big theatrical releases and are generally accessible to people if they want to watch them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely that. And yeah, like I say, going forward, these will be exclusively for Patreon listeners. Yeah, um, but I hope you enjoyed this either way, and we would like to know what you think about the format and whether or not this is something you'd like to hear a little bit more of. I mean, the chances are we'll do them anyway, but it would be nice to know that people are interested. Um, if you want to get in touch <laughs> and um, yeah, give us some feedback on this, we'd love to hear from you, of course and uh, all the usual channels available for that facebook and instagram we're strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong violent pc and you can email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com and interact with other listeners on our facebook group the chud locker yeah and we've got a website strongviolentpod.com that's going to be getting a little overhaul shortly 
Um, but you can also check out our Patreon, of course. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes. Yeah, very happy to report that we've got some more people to thank this week. People uh, getting on that train. Uh, we really appreciate everything that all of you are kind of throwing our way on this. Yeah. Uh, this has already gone better than we could ever have imagined. So, uh, Big thank you to everybody that's kind of helping us out with that. So I hope this has been an acceptable surrogate for a main episode for your Friday. We will, of course, be back on Monday, though, uh, like clockwork with a mini-sode for your ears. We'll be doing all the usual stuff then. We'll be talking about what we've been watching. I will need to go and dig up a 90s film to watch. I'll try and do that. We'll be playing Mitch's Pitches. Mm -hmm. We'll be taking a look at your feedback. I was going to say that we'll be announcing the guest in film for next week. If you've been paying attention, you'll already know who that is. That's Paddy Murphy doing Ghoulies too. Sure is. So hopefully you can join us then. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chats. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.